This episode of The Minimalists is brought to you by nobody, because advertisements suck. This podcast has bad words. <laughs> every little thing you think that you need, every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are The Minimalists. Man, today we're going to talk about redemption. Yeah. And so why not bring Matt Cox on the podcast to talk about redemption? <laughs> <laughs> Matt, thanks for being here today. Oh man, thank you. I appreciate it. <clears throat> man, I uh, I first saw your story. I don't know four or five months ago, and I was just so fascinated. And I don't know where to start. Let's just establish a few facts, and uh, then we'll give some. We got some audience questions we can answer as well. But I want to establish where you came from, what happened, and how did we get to where we are right now. Mm. So let's start with, um, well, on your website it says, my name is Matthew B. Cox, and I'm a con man. Right. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about that. Let's unpack it a bit. Um, I mean, that's just, you know, it's funny when I, when I, that I introduce myself like that. Uh-huh. Because, you know, because initially, like, when I would read newspapers, articles about me, like, when I was on, I was run, on the run for three years, mm-hmm. and I would read newspaper articles, and they would describe me you know, as, you know, a con man and a fraudster and, you know, a narcissist and arrogant. And I was like, my, you don't know me. What do you, you know, I would get so upset. And they, they have psychiatrists who are, you know, kind of dissecting me. And I mean, he's, he's never met me and he's never, you know, but I think I mentioned this to you on the phone that, you know, if, does it matter if I cuss? It's fine. Okay. Um, that if enough people call you an asshole, you know, you're probably an asshole. And, and, and at some point, you have to kind of come to grips with that. And so enough people started saying that. And I would tell people, you know, yeah, man, they said, you know, I, the girl at the time, yeah, she, they said this, they said this. Like, can, can you believe that? And she was was like, well, yeah, you know, you, yeah, I could see how people might think that. And it was just like, you know, you, know, you start, mm. it, it's, and then at, when you start writing, like I, I went to prison, I started writing, you start to kind of dissect dissect yourself and other people and you start to kind of go yeah i i think i'm a narcissist i mean i do hit all these categories i I think i I, yeah that was arrogant why would i do that you know you start to come to grips with it and you know and then i guess accept it and that's just the way it is i mean before try and deal with it before we we get into the redemption part we have to establish uh, what we are redeeming like what, what how do we what are we trying to 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 fix and so we need to go back to your past. So when you say you're a con man, the way I've described you, and by the way, I, as soon as I listened to this, the first interview I, I saw you do, I was, I mean, you're an amazing storyteller. Yeah, thanks. And, I mean, you, you do such a good job of telling different stories, weaving them together. It's it's truly fascinating. I mean, immediately I was sending your story to my book agent. I was sending it to Ryan. I was sending it to my wife. You've got to listen to this. And... Um, I was just I was just so fascinated, but um, you you say that um, you're a con man, but it started in real estate. I've been calling when I was sending your interview over to Ryan and Sean and everyone else. I was calling you the James Bond of real estate fraud <laughs> yeah. uh, because the story. It, it my first thought was like, why am I watching this when it, I should be watching the movie version of, yeah. of what's going on? Let's set up the movie. It really should Let's set up the movie version. In the first scene here, I think, is you yeah, breaking bad, so to speak. And, and so what, what was the impetus? What, what started the – because here's my theory, by the way. We're all Matt Cox. We're we're all one or two bad decisions away. By the mm-hmm. way, we, we've all made bad decisions, not just mistakes, but bad decisions. And then all of a sudden, it starts to unravel. Yeah, it wasn't your intention to become the James Bond of real estate fraud. <laughs> no. No. The first time no. you no. you you made a, a slight indiscretion. So where did it start? I mean, you know, it's it's. I've, 
I, every time I get I get asked this question, it's horrible because I hate to complain like about like my childhood. Like you know, my father was an alcoholic, mm-hmm. right? You know, he was mentally abusive. You're basically I was not the son that he thought he was going to have. You know, mm-hmm. I have a learning disability. I did not excel in school. I was you know I wasn't five foot ten, five foot eleven. I wasn't ath- super athletic. I wasn't that the kid that I think he wanted, and. You know, as a result of that, it was he showed me there no interest, or it was almost like mental abuse. Mm-hmm. And but I, I and I hate to say, you know, oh, that had such a you know it that was a huge part of it because I've been to prison and I know guys that at five years old their mother held them down and burned them with an iron. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that's your punishment. Yeah. I mean, and and they don't even think it's wrong. Like they're like, oh yeah, she thought I stole something, and then she found it behind her dresser a couple of days later, and mm. she was sorry. I mean, like I remember she brought me to she brought me to Toys R Us, and I got to pick up any toy I wanted. Mm. Like he's thinking it's okay, uh-huh. yeah. and I'm sitting there thinking, don't you ever complain because Daddy didn't hug you, mm. right? You know, right. but you know, you it's still how it affected you. Yeah. And as I got older, I eventually, you know, I go to college. I get out of college. I remember I graduated college with a degree in fine arts because I have a a severe case of dyslexia. I had to go to special schools my whole life. And I was lucky because my father could afford those schools. He didn't have a problem throwing money at the problem. He didn't have a problem with throwing money at at it, Mm -hmm. at me. Um, So I go to the schools, I graduate. Eventually I go to college. I get a degree in fine arts. And when I graduate, I remember he said, "Um, I mean, you got a degree in fine arts. He's like, what, what, you know? He goes, I mean, that basically qualifies you to, you know, you can draw, you can draw, you can draw caricatures of sweaty tourists at Disney World with that degree. That's about all you can do. And I, and I was sitting there thinking, it's like I'm never going to be happy. So I, I end up going into, I became an insurance adjuster. That didn't work out because I just couldn't keep up with the workload. Okay. I eventually get laid off. I started working construction. I date a girl. She's working it for a subprime lender. And she says, hey, you've got to do this. You're made for doing this. I'm like, what no, year I is this roughly? I want to say this is. 97, 98. Okay. Mm. So I, I very quickly, my very first loan, it's a fraud. Like I'm literally, I, I get a customer, I'm thrilled. I get all the documents, I stick them all together. I bring it to my my uh, my manager. She looks through them and I remember she looks at the whole thing and she pulls out one document and she's like, this is perfect, but this has a 30 day late on it. Go get some white out. She actually pulled out the white out. Now that I remember she was going, she pulled it out. She goes, go white this out, make a copy, put it back. And I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, that's fraud. She's like, First of all, they're not going to catch it. Secondly, maybe they if they catch it, wow. you lose your job. Nobody's calling the FBI. You want to do it? She goes, nobody's looking for my car. Because, I mean, I was like two car payments behind. Mm. I'm like hiding my vehicle. Oh, wow. And she's like, nobody's looking for my car. You know, and I was like, Ugh. and I'm, all I could think about, I remember this, was thinking, if I don't come up with some money soon, I'm moving in my parents' spare room mm. and listening to my dad bully my mother, talk shit to me. And I was like, absolutely not. I went and whited it out. A couple days later, closes. I get a check for I don't know, it's three, like three grand, thirty five hundred, something like that. A huge amount of money. Yeah, yeah, more than you had ever had. Up oh, to that I've point. never had a check written to me for thirty five hundred dollars. That's insane. Right. Um. And so this is the first stepping stone. All of a yeah. sudden, uh, and by the way, you were encouraged in a way to do it. Right. It wasn't even something that you came up with at first. No, I, I honestly just thought, I remember just it. That's it. It's dead. It's over. Like it didn't even. I didn't even think to myself get rid of it like that wasn't something i i i'd worked for one company i got my license worked for one company i'd been there a few weeks i mean it just had no fraud wasn't even something that was being brought up yeah so she said do it it's no big deal i do it all the time they're not going to catch it don't worry about it you know okay i do it i get the money and then the next guy that comes in he made whatever forty five forty five thousand dollars that year but if he made 55 he could get the loan Mm. And that four, if that four was a five, mm. we'd be all good. Just one numeral one, It's no big deal. Yeah. You have a degree in fine arts. It's a printing <laughs> error. You can do this. Yeah. So I changed that one, closes. Next person, something else, closes. I mean, literally, next thing you know, it's like four loans the first month. It's six the next. It's eight. It's 10. It's 12. They make me a branch manager. Mm. Then I uh, eventually I end up. You know, there were issues at that company. I end up starting my own company. I hire 12 guys. My dad thinks like, this kid's amazing. He's mm. great. I got my brother who's borrowing money all the time. You're getting the validation oh, of course that you I'm wanted. Oh, man. Oh, listen, my father, I started flipping houses, used to lend me, would lend me money. Like he would say, so you're doing what? I'd be like, I'm buying, I bought this house for 40 grand. We're gonna put 20 into it. 
and I'm gonna sell it. And how do you know you can sell it? And I'm, I know I can get the loan for the guy, I can this, I can that, and I know I can get the loan for you. Uh-huh. So, you know, which is a big problem for most people that buy and sell houses. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry I keep looking at him because no, of the it's hair. Okay. It's the hair. <laughs> no, that's all right. But it's, it's you're more shaggy and he's he's pretty and shiny. I like to think of myself as appropriately, appropriately disheveled. You, I was, you've got the rock star thing. You look like you should be on stage and he looks like a GQ model. That's great. He doesn't look like a GQ model. No, no worries at all, man. Um, no, I'm being generous. I'm, come on. I need Mil- you to Mil- push my book. Milburn, <laughs> Milburn is, is very easy to talk to. <laughs> so, so, all right. We, we, we've established that all of a sudden the snowball has happened. And we're going to dive into the details on, on the Maximal. I, I want people to know like, that there are so many stories that we're going to be able to get into here. But uh, we're talking about basically a 10-year period from that first uh, fraud right. to realizing that you're going to go away mm. to prison yeah yeah i'm, I'm yeah. done yeah and and you were on the run from the fbi for three years yeah i was yeah it was the fbi u.s marshals of course if you're on the run it's the u.s marshals so it's the u.s marshals the fbi and the secret service oh and it was number one on the secret service's most wanted list for two years wow uh and they were actively like really looking for me mm-hmm. like the other people are more reactive, but the Secret Service is like, they're making calls, they're going out to people's houses, they're really looking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, wow. yeah, so. Well, before we get into the, the questions, um, I, I wanna give our audience like a really awesome story. And you have so many between, you know, your manager t- taking that one sheet out up until, you know, they're like, are you Matthew Cox? And you're like, yeah, I'm Matthew Cox. Oh, yeah. I- <laughs> you're like, all right. All right, you got me. Finally, um, do you have a favorite story that like you just find yourself constantly telling between, you know, the beginning and the end? Is there? What's the, your favorite? I mean, the problem, the the only problem with that the, that story, the one that's so like catch me if you can't say it's just over the top. Yeah, uh-huh. is because it, it requires a little bit of setup. So if I streamline the story, the story is when I had I had borrowed like one point three million dollars in the name of a guy, Gary Sullivan, mm-hmm. um, which was a guy that was actually a, a homeless prostitute in Las Vegas. I'd gone there, I surveyed him, I got his information. So I, I then went and got you a- You pretended you were doing surveys for the government. For the Salvation Army, okay. Okay. right, right. right. Um, which got me an enhancement, by the way. That was an extra two levels, three levels, so that was an extra four or five years. Oh my um, wow. So, uh, because I had made a little badge that said I was Salvation with the Salvation Army, oh, and therefore wow. I, I, I hurt their image and the, gov- and the government said, yeah, he deserves extra time for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Five years. <laughs> um, you know, all these enhancements, like people don't realize, like, what the money I sold isn't isn't that big of a deal. Like the six million, okay, you do four or five years. It's all the enhancements. Oh. Then you fled jurisdiction, that's an enhancement. You, you know, sophisticated means, meaning what you do is sophisticated, an enhancement. <laughs> what mean, you know, the, it, it just gets worse and worse oh, and, wow. and, every, and it, it incrementally, each level gets larger and by, the one level, the first one level enhancement you get is might be might be eight more months on your sentence. Mm-hmm. But by the last time they add an add one, there it's five years. It's up to it's yeah. four years. Right. You say it gets worse and worse. And people don't realize that it just gets. You just keep burying yourself. The more clever I got, mm. the worse it got for me at sentencing. Sure. Mm. So so the Gary Sullivan one is yeah, now he was one of many identities you had assumed correct there was at some point yeah. you you had a bunch of different driver's licenses passports yeah, yeah I had 27 driver's licenses in like six or seven different yeah. states issued by the that that were that were issued by the state DMVs now real I, driver's license real driver like I get pulled over here you go yeah yeah all right I know I was speeding got yeah. it mm-hmm. you know as opposed to making the you know actually counterfeiting a driver's license which right. I've done uh-huh. um which is a pain in the ass, you said. It's so yeah, much easier it's, to just get the birth was, certificate, right, social security card, and then, yeah. Right. Yeah, the cop pulls you over. You hand him your driver's license. Yes, yeah, what's up? Yeah. Mm. So you're talking to Gary Sullivan, and you're, uh, there's this questionnaire that you do, and one of the questions is, do you have any misdemeanors? Because you're looking for people who are real but don't really use their credit or don't really use their, prof- right, their right. credit profile. Yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm looking for people that have a real person but basically just someone who's who's – you know, they're, this is a real individual, but they're not using it. Like they're un, they're, you can't contact them. It's just out there. The, yeah. And so I started, I figured who could I do that with homeless people? Mm-hmm. And so I start surveying these guys and I, well, why would they tell me their information? You know, I'm going to go up and say, hey, I need your information. I'll buy you. No, I need to trick you out of it. So I say, you know, look, uh, you know, I work for the Salvation Army. We're trying to determine where we place our next homeless facility. Would you mind taking a survey? I very quickly realized they were like, no, not interested in the, 
it pays $20 cash right now. You're gonna give me $20 cash right now? Right now, okay, yeah, what do you need? 17 questions. He gives me all the information that he thinks a statistical surveyor or someone for the Salvation Army yeah. would use. Mm-hmm. I, of course, take that information and I then apply online for his birth certificate, his social security card, uh, maybe his um, high school transcripts. I order a, a copy of a um, credit report for him. Wow. Um, I, I register to vote as him. I get three secured credit cards as him. I do, uh, I do all of these things. So I start very quickly accumulating all of this real documentation that I could get through the mail. Yeah. yeah, and a credit profile. Wow. Oh well, I create a credit profile, which is perfect. So because mm-hmm. he has no credit, yeah. mm-hmm. and even imagine right, he actually had some, he actually had some medical collections, which I paid off. <laughs> oh wow! Um, and I've had guys where I got their information, and then when I ordered their driver's license, their driver's license was suspended. And it's like mm-hmm. it's suspended because he didn't pay a four hundred dollar ticket. He's okay, four hundred dollar fine. Boom, pay the four hundred dollar fine. Now I got a driver's license. Yeah. So you know, I'm willing to clean him up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. I need that. It's the least he can do He's for the benevolent con man. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> yeah. So uh, what what ends up happening is I I get a I get a a driver's I get an ID in his name, mm-hmm. and so when I get the ID in his name in South Carolina, he was in Nevada, in. Vegas. I go to South Carolina, get an idea as his name, buy a couple houses. Then I go, so I convince people to owner finance me their houses. I give you twenty thousand down, you know, ten thousand, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I turn around and I go downtown and I create a false satisfaction of mortgage, uh-huh. and I satisfy the loans on the house, not just the loan to you as the person that just owner finance me the house, but you probably also had it's called a wraparound. Uh, around a Bank of America or Federal Trust Bank or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And so I have to satisfy those loans because I need to clean the title. So I create sat- fake satisfactions, I send them in. And that's one of the things where I thought I was being cute. I signed like the satisfactions, um, um, C. Montgomery Burns from The Simpsons. <laughs> and then you get in front of the judge and you know, you're know you sitting there like, yeah, you know, I mean, how it looks. And the judge is just looking at me like, you <laughs> bastard. Like, yeah. just, you know, you're yeah. mocking, you know, uh, it's, you, so. It was just arrogance. So, and I never thought they'd catch it. Yeah. Um, mm. Which, you know, which is another arrogance. Mm-hmm. I'm so smart, you'll never catch this. Mm. <laughs> Wrong. Uh, so what happens is I do that. I then, now I own these houses free and clear. I then go out and I apply for loans in Gary Sullivan's name. And I get, borrow $1.3 million on a couple of houses that are only worth a couple hundred thousand. Because you 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 are getting a bunch of loans concurrent to one another before the banks find out there is a, a right. first mortgage or right. whatever. I'm right. applying for Bank Bank of America. I apply with Wachovia, Bank of America, SunTrust. You know all, all of these banks at the same time, and then I close them at different title companies, mm-hmm. all within a day or two of each other. Mm-hmm. And so now I face giving the money, and then the title companies just mail in the documents. Mm-hmm. So I've got 1.3 million. At that time, there's no Bitcoin. There's none of the, the types of things that you, the way you could easily move money now. So yeah. I just open up a bunch of bank accounts in different people's names, mm. and I put the money in there, and then I start taking out the money, 9000 8000 You know, that one time I took out 29000 and they gave me a hard time. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm just taking out money. In the, but what happened was just by coincidence, and somebody went down late and actually saw the multiple satisfactions. They called the banks. The Wachovia gets involved. Wachovia puts a, a, a fraud alert out. So I walk in the bank one day as Gary Sullivan and I pay, or I'm sorry, I ask for the nine, I feel like 8000 or $9,000. The teller says, oh, okay, hold on, Mr. Sullivan. She walks in the back. No big deal. It happens all the time. A new account, anything over $3,000 has to be approved. She walks in the back. I'm waiting four or five minutes. Next thing you know, two sheriff's deputies walk up behind me and grab me, mm. handcuff me, grab my driver's license, and they, they walk in. Uh, you know, they, they they walk me in the other room uh-huh. and they sit down and say they say at the bank at the bank go oh, customers looking at me just mm. you know what's going on mm. I'm sitting there going oh. are you in your handcuffed at this point oh, I'm handcuffed I, I think that's it I'm done it's over yeah they've mm. got me I, I'm you know I already know I'm on I'm I'm on I'm on the FBI's most wanted list the Secret Service's most wanted list. I know the U.S. Marshals are looking for me mm-hmm. I know I'm done I've called home people are telling me that these people are waiting outside their houses mm. they're following they're making calls people are being interviewed there's been at this point, there's probably been 15 different articles about me. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I know because prior to this, I had committed a, I had stolen like $11.5 million in Tampa. So that was a whole bunch of <laughs> footnote. Yeah, sounds footnote. so bad. Sounds so bad. Um, when you but say it like that. We're going to get to redemption, right? Sounds yeah. excessive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you think? So, so 
I know they're looking for me. Yeah. And so they grab me. But these guys are like, you know, hey, you know, Mr. Sullivan, you know, we've been told to detain you. And I'm thinking, Mr. Sullivan, mm. you know, that's okay. Mm. And I'm sitting there, you know, I'm saying nothing. <laughs> I'm like, so, I, you know, I'm sitting there like just looking at these guys are glancing at me like nobody's talking. Mm. I guess I don't know. I don't know how to really behave other than, look, you don't know what's going on. You shut up. Mm-hmm. So I wait. The detective walks in. He said, he comes in. He says, "Hey, my name's Detective. I forget his name." Um, in the book, I I used I used the name, but it wasn't his because I I couldn't. I'm sorry, this book right here. I'll hold it up for YouTube. Yep. Right, Shark in the Housing Pool, and we'll put a link to this in the show notes as well. So if you're just listening to this, uh, check it out in the show notes yeah. over at theminimalists.com/podcast. Mm. Um. So, okay. So they I, the detective comes in. He talks to me. He says, look, I said, you know, what's going on? And he says, uh, he says, look, Wachovia said that you're running some kind of a scam. Uh, you've got a bunch of mortgages on this one house. And I actually had like six mortgages on the house. He goes, you have three mortgages on the house. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking immediately, I'm like, okay, they know three, which three? Mm-hmm. And I immediately, I go, and I said, I go, is that illegal? And I remember he looked at me and he goes, you know, I don't know. <laughs> He's, and, and, he, and I remember, I remember I thought, I'm I'm walking out of here. Mm. I can this guy. He he doesn't have a clue. I'm gonna now. I just oh, so <laughs> then I'm I'm like okay, this is good. I I do the whole golly gee whiz. You know, golly gee whiz, officer. Is that you know illegal? I'm like well, I don't understand. And you know, so I mean, it just depends on who you're talking to, mm. how you react. Like if I was talking to a bank employee or something, I would you know you might be offended. This is law uh, enforcement. They want they want the opposite. Mm. Yeah. So I'm giving you what you want. Golly gee whiz, officer, was that illegal? And so he sits down. He's like, oh, I don't know. Let me get Wachovia's head of security on the phone. They get him on the phone. He immediately starts unraveling the scam. He's done this. He's done this. He's done this. Mm. And and I'm sitting there. At every turn, he says something. He's got three first mortgages on the you know uh, uh, three first mortgages. He's pulling money out of the bank. And he looks at me. And you know he, the detective looks at me. And I say. Well, I don't know. I said, I, I, I don't think they were all first mortgages. I said, I got a first mortgage, a second mortgage, and I have a credit line. And he goes, that's not true. And I go, I read all the mortgages. None of the mortgages say they're first mortgages. Mortgages don't. It's the placement of the mortgage that determines mm. first mortgage. So if you have a first two first mortgages, the lender might know, but it doesn't say it in public records. Mm. And, I, I, and I told him, look, I read the documents. I never saw that. So I'm, he's sitting there. The, the officer's like, okay, okay. He's screaming one thing. The officer, I'm combating and I'm coming up with um, rebuttals. And, you know, and the officer's not an expert at all. Absolutely. So, so what he's going off of is intuition at this point. Mm. Right. And, and listen, here's the thing. Like, this guy is, is the, the head of secure or head of the fraud department is – knows what's going on right luckily for me he was angry uh-huh. and he's he's adamant and he's sounding irrational oh. and so i'm just getting calmer and calmer and i'm saying look i understand you know he's he's upset i borrowed three mortgages i understand well why did you get three mortgages well i needed to try and get like half a million dollars on out because i want to buy several houses and he goes oh that's right you own another house here i'm like i'm thinking huh. <laughs> i'm like that's yes i yes i'm thinking okay so that 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 scams over so i said that you know yeah yeah and he goes i said I, i'm buying houses i'm fixing them up and i'm selling them and and he's like okay he's like well why are you taking he's like he's pulling the money out in cash mm. and then he goes why are you put, taking it out in cash i said well i mean i work for a labor company and I, I said and a lot of these guys they get their checks and they don't have any way to cash a check so i'll cash the check for them because you know these these cash places charge them like 10 percent. he's like yeah, and I go. I mean, maybe I'm not supposed to do that. Maybe that's illegal. And he looks. And he looks at me. And he goes. You know, and he goes. No, no, no. That's fine. That's, that's, that's nice. It's fine. And but at this point, by the way, he he stopped calling me Mr. Sullivan. He's now calling me Gary. Uh-huh. I'm calling him Richard. Uh-huh. You know, we're good. Uh-huh. This is Richard. I'm Gary. And this jerk is yelling on the phone. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what happens is, like, we keep going back and forth, back and forth. And at some point, I remember saying, "Look, it sounds to me like they have a problem at the bank." You know, I said, what makes more sense? And I, I give him my business card, says, you know, labor on demand and Gary Sullivan and who I'm a site manager and blah, blah. I said, what makes more sense? I said that a guy who works at a and labor. This isn't co- a company, by the way, for folks listening. Oh, no, there's it, no labor it, on demand. It's no. just it's, a business card. It's just, it's a business card. If you called, though, someone, I did have a, I did have someone that answered the phone. Like which a Regis. Was, the exactly. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would forward calls and mm-hmm. uh, they would take mail and, you know, like an HQ or something I've had that where they'll take packages. I mean, this mm-hmm. guy has no way of knowing that. You know, and I register sure. it. Like you could register it. You could 
Back then, I don't know if you can now. You could actually register your business like on the business directory. So if he goes and he looks for it, bring it's yeah. going to come up. Like everything looks legit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And my W-2s, which also said I worked there, was a real tax ID number to a company that was a labor company that was like in Miami, Florida. Uh, and I actually registered this company as a DBA. And so you, you just you just were done. If you really, I mean, I've had underwriters that are lending hundreds of thousands you know, of dollars and they're investigating this stuff and that's their whole job. They can't figure it out. It all looks good. Wow. Because I own the mortgage company, so I know what you're looking for. Mm. You've caught enough. Mm. So I argue with the guy. Eventually he starts, the, the uh, head of Wachovia starts screaming, this guy, he goes, he's using a fake ID. So, well, I end up saying, look, what makes more sense? A guy from a labor company, a guy that works at a labor company, convinced a bunch of banks to lend him <laughs> half a million dollars. I said, or I said, I I applied for a loan and all the loan officers, I said, because this loan officer said, I will lend you 200000 I've got a friend that can lend you a second mortgage at another bank. She lent me that money. And she said, you know what? I got a friend that can lend you a credit line. They all knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. They all set up the closings. I don't know what's happening here. I don't feel like I've done it. I think the bank did something wrong. Mm. This Listen, Wachovia is going nuts. The detective shaking his head like, yeah, it's, yeah, I don't think he'd, he, and he goes, yeah, listen, I don't know that this guy would be able to pull, do this. And so <laughs> Wachovia is going screaming. And then he says, it's a scam. He goes, look at his ID. He's got a fake ID. Now here's the funny part. In South Carolina, their IDs started with like zero, 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 zero. Well, the Wachovia guy is in like, he's in like, um, like California or something. He doesn't have a clue. So he gets, his ID starts with zero, 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 zero. And so the detective says, no, no, our ID start with zero, zero. Mm-hmm. He goes, and I've run this guy through NCIC. He goes, this is Gary Sullivan. And I looked at him and I go, I lean and I go, oh, now I'm not Gary Sullivan? I go, bro, come on, what are we doing here? And he sat there and he's like, I know Gary, I know Gary. And I mean, the poor, I mean, I, 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 there was actually a point where I started thinking, Poor guy in Wachovia. Like, he's got me. He everything you're saying is right. His ulcers he, are flaring. He, oh, he's it, he. It was so bad at one point. The the detective actually told him, "You please, you need to lower your voice." I mean, I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god, this is perfect." So he says, "Look, I'm not going to arrest him. I don't even know what I can charge him with at this point. You guys lent him money that he applied for. You, there's, there's nothing fraudulent. I mean, he's, it's Gary Sullivan. I don't know what to tell you." Oh, and he shoot. said, "So I'm going to find out from the district attorney what I could charge him with, if anything." He said, "I'm waiting for her to get back with me." He said, "And that's it." He said, "I'm." Um, he said, "I'm going to take him downtown. I'm going to fill out a police report. And I'm going to release him." This guy went nuts, and he's mm. like, "Look, I'm sorry. You have to call down. You can file a complaint. Also, you can talk to." So he hangs up the phone. We get up. I go to get up, and he says to me. Um, uh, okay, I'm gonna have you follow me back uh, to the police. The detectives, are, I mean, the, the, the deputies are still there. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have you follow back to the uh, the uh, police department, mm-hmm. sheriff's department, whatever it was. And it's, and I went. Uh, Let's you get in your car and drive yourself. Yeah, to, to the police department. And I remember he said he, uh, he goes, okay, you have a. He he said, you have an ID. He said, why don't you have a driver's license? And I went, well, I didn't have insurance, and I, I don't have a car. And I said, I, I have. And he goes, do you have a driver's license? I said, yeah, I do. I said, it's in Nevada. And he goes, oh, that's right, you're from Nevada. And I remember thinking, as soon as he said that, like when I interviewed Gary Sullivan to get his information, um, he had said he had been arrested for two two misdemeanors for uh, for prostitution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was a male prostitute. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, okay. So he ran me through NCIC. And as soon as he says, oh, that's right, you're from Nevada, he glances at the two deputies. The deputies glance at each other and all grin. And I think, they think I've been arrested for male prostitution. <laughs> they think I'm, I mean, it, it was so, I, I, I was, this close to saying, listen, man, my name's Matt Cox. My right. <laughs> the ego is strong, oh, right? I just, oh. I just was like, you, you stay strong. You say nothing. You're walking out of here. So I end up. Uh, so did you just start flirting with the deputies or anything? No, listen, what I did say, and this actually sounds funny, because uh, I never, when I said it, I didn't think how it sounds. It sounds very like, Woo, you know, yeah. it sounds like, they, right. it does, but it, you know, it, it was not said in that way. They said, he goes, okay, so do you have a driver's license? I said, yeah, Nevada. And I don't know if Gary Sullivan has a, a driver's license in Nevada. Uh-huh. How am I supposed to know that? Mm-hmm. I never, I didn't ask him. You know, I don't know if it's a valid driver's license. He's homeless. Right. So he says, um, he goes, uh, he, he goes, oh, that's right, you're from Nevada. He goes, okay. And he goes, and it's valid? I went, I said, I'm pretty sure it is. I don't know why it wouldn't be. And the deputy goes, yeah, I'll check it out. He grabs my ID and walks off. Mm. goes to his car and I'm thinking huh <laughs> <laughs> now the DMV can't pull up photos from other states 
Oh. It's a forty-eight hour. It's a forty-eight hour um, a lag time. That it's a, it, at that point, it was a hub system. Uh-huh. Almost positive, it's still a hub system. They have to request it. Wow. So, um, I sat there and I'm thinking, what about the what about the car? What about the cop car? What about the cop car? You know, what can he do? What can he do? Can yeah. he pull it up? And I wait. So I'm sweating bullets until I, he walks back and he goes, Yeah, yeah, it's fine. He hands him the ID. He goes, Yeah, yeah, it's fine. And he's, he goes, checks out. He goes, What well, says he's five foot ten? And, and I, they all look at me and I go, well, with a good pair of shoes, <laughs> like that. And they all go, ha, 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 Gary, follow us. Yeah. And I'm like, come on, boys, with a good pair of heels. Yeah. yeah. So I, I walk out, I get in my car, I follow him back to the police station. You, did, you, did you think about running at that point? Well, well, no, because there's a sheriff's deputy. The, the sheriff's deputies are behind me in their car. Oh. The, the ah. The detectives in his car in front of me, I'm behind them. So although they're saying like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. I'm still feeling like, <laughs> why is he behind me? Right. It may not be fine. You knew yeah. you had to outsmart them if you wanted to get out of yeah, this. Yeah, I'm not jumping on. I'm not I'm not a race car driver. And I'm not driving a race car. I'm driving a like a G35, which was the brand new Infiniti. And it's got mm-hmm. 300 and some odd horsepower. But it ain't outrunning the cops and not, or a helicopter. You're, you're just right. done. Yeah. So... Anyway, I go back, and I'm on my way. I remember the girl I was with uh-huh. who repeatedly had, when I would go into a bank or something. This was the Bonnie and Clyde thing, and we'll, yeah. and we'll get more into her story. What's her name, Becky? Becky. Yeah. yeah. So Becky, every time I'd ever gone into a bank, not every time, but most times I would walk in the bank, cash check, she would, periodically she would say, um, she'd go, what if you get arrested? And I would say, okay, well, if I get arrested, I'll be arrested at, as, as, you know, as, you know, Michael Cutter, or I'll be arrested right. as, you know, you know, Scott Cugno. I've got a valid driver's license. I have everything on me. Is I'm all, all his credit cards, everything. I pocket litter right. as Scott Cugno, everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, they'll be arresting me. My identity's not in question. And back then, I don't know how it is now. I'm sure it's got to be better now. But back then, they had to request. They, they ran your fingerprints through um, uh, through uh, APHIS, but they they have to pay for that. This and is 2005-ish? So, two, yeah, this was 2005, right. Okay. So... 2005, 2006. So, um, so if if I do get caught, and my they would o- tip a lot of these places would only run your fingerprints if your identity was in question. Mm. My identity's not in question. Yeah. And so I was like, look, I've talked to sheriff's deputies like in prison and stuff, and they were like, oh, listen, there were sometimes we would never run them. Like we would do it like in in batches, you know, every, like every month or so, and then you'd find out, hey, these three people were lying, or he yeah, said because yeah, yeah he said, they charge us and this and that. Now, I don't know how it is now, mm-hmm. but. So I said, look, worst case scenarios, I used to always say the worst case scenario, I'll be arrested as Scott Cugno and you go immediately get me a lawyer and you can get me out on bond. Whatever I'm arrested for, it's going to be minor. Mm. It's, it's going to be lying on an application. It's going to be cashing a check you know, on a fraudulent loan. And even if they come in and they say, the worst they'll do is let's say it's a $100,000 loan and they say, okay, uh, we, we, we want a $100,000 bond. Great. Go get the bondsman $10,000, mm-hmm. put up a couple of houses, get me out. She can do that. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I would say that, and she'd be like, okay, okay. And I was, was always nervous, because I was like, why do you keep asking me that? Because I, I, I kept yeah. thinking, what did you want me to say? Take the money and run. <laughs> you know? I'm no gangster. You get me out of prison. So I'm on my way back, and I see that my, my phone is just tons of phone calls. Uh-huh. I've been in the bank for 45 minutes. Yeah. So I pick up the phone, I'm like, Hey, what's up? She's, where have you been? What's going on? I go, listen, here's what happened. I tell her right quick, boom, 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 boom. And she goes, oh my God, you don't understand that. She goes, you're number one on the Secret Service's most wanted list. She said, there was just an article that came out. There was, she's like screaming. She's like, oh my God. I go, look, I'm going to the police station right now. She goes, get on the interstate, get on the interstate. And I go, I can't, the cops are behind me and in front of me. I can talk my way. I just talked my way out of handcuffs. I'm going to walk out of that precinct, I, I assure you. And I said, so worst she's, what if you get arrested I go worst case scenario is if I get arrested and I remember she goes I'm not getting you a lawyer I'm not getting you out on bond and I just remember being like like you know the heat oh. shot up mm. through my body I just used my lifeline and it's it, dead it, right oh, oh I just remember shoot. thinking oh my god mm. and I was like well then I better get, not get arrested <laughs> and I hung on the phone I get out I go in there I fill out the police report he fills it out. He then says, can you wait in the hallway? I go and wait in the hallway. While yes. I'm in the hallway, oh, God. there's all these wanted posters, you know, whatever, bicycle thieves, car thieves, bank robbers, and they're all black and white. And there's only one in color uh, wanted poster, and it's me. Oh, my God. And I, I remember looking, and I stepped back, and, it was, and I, you know, it's like 
10 feet away. I step back to see, no, no, that, no, 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 that's definitely me. That's definitely me. And I'm like, like, and he walks up behind me. Hey, Gary, what's up? I'm like, oh, and I'm, <laughs> oh you know, and this is the thing. I've had people say, well, why didn't you run? Well, you've never been in a police station, mm. right? Because you can't, you run, can't run. run. First of all, no. I'm on the second floor. Secondly, you need a code to get in the elevator. You need a code to turn on the elevator. You need a code to get out of the elevator. You need a code to get through the, through the front door. You need a code to get out, uh, into the building. You need to, there's six layers of security that I'm not going to get through. Mm-hmm. No. So I'm waiting. Yeah. He says, yeah, you ready to go? I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get outside. And he says, listen, I'm, you know, I talked to my, I talked to the district attorney and she's got some questions and we're going to talk to walk over and we're going to figure out what's going on. But do me a favor. He goes, he's don't, he's don't leave town like that. I go, <laughs> I said, I own two houses. I said, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. I get in the car. I drive. This is, this is how arrogant I drive to another bank. Get money out. I drive to another bank. Get money out. Oh I drive to God. another bank. The next bank I go to, though, um, the, as soon as I walk in, like every clerk, every every staff member in the place goes. <laughs> I mean, you could feel like suddenly the tension went. Oh, like, and wow. I was like, ah. and, I, and there's two women almost banged into each other trying to go for the phone. Oh my mm. God! So I was like, Nah, I don't want. I don't. I don't want to talk to that detective again. Yeah. No. So I turn around. I get in my car. When I leave, I remember one of the women came out and was looking like at my license tag you know mm-hmm. like i mean it's like i wasn't questioning it like it wasn't possible that i was even wrong mm-hmm. and so i immediately get on the interstate and i i drive I, I take off and that's the story that my problem with that story is that it does take some time to set it up oh, it's yeah. so good but it's it, so it, good it, man you know what this story does and we're going to get into more of the stories as well that you cover in your book and your other books because you also write a lot about what happened during your time in prison mm-hmm. i'm going to fast forward a little bit before and we'll get back to the stories on, on the maximal but let me just say this uh, eventually you're caught i'm i love the the story about you getting caught we're going to cover that i'm also i want to explore with you an alternate reality what happens if you don't and mm-hmm. and um h- how are things different over the last 13 years so event- eventually <laughs> eventually you're you're you're, you're caught you are sentenced to 26 years. Yeah. Mm. I, yeah, it's 26 years and four months, but I don't typically say the four months because it, it makes me sound like I'm whining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, um, uh, spoiler alert, you end up doing 12 for a bunch of complicated reasons that we'll probably dive into some of those. Um, but you spent the last 12 years in federal prison. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Just to be a minimalist, I, like, I, I live out of a locker. <laughs> That was like, it's like, is it like 18 inches? They're 18 inches by two feet by three feet high. Oh, right. Wow. So I don't know how many cubic feet that is. Somebody, I think it was like, whatever, like 15 cubic feet or so. Like my whole life was in that locker uh-huh. and I lived out of the locker for, you know, 12 and a half years. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about redemption. I pulled up this um, definition of redemption and I'll try to adjust it a little bit, but Redemption just means the action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. That sounds really moralizing. So mm. let's just let, let, let's try to redefine it in a way. Um, we've all done some bad things, mm-hmm. right? And some people more extreme than others. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think the the lesson here is that we can start over we can yeah. begin again i was meditating this morning right before we we started recording and one of the the you know sort of lessons of meditation is when you start you screw up in the meditation even though they wouldn't use those those terms but like your mind gets entangled with thoughts you can always begin again right and in a way you've been able to begin again and in fact you weren't supposed to be out until 2030 right mm-hmm. so you sort of got 10 or 11 years of I don't know, bonus time. Yeah, this, this is free time, yeah. yeah. I loved when I talked to you on the phone and you were like, hey, uh, I basically get the next 10 years to explore any of this like mm-hmm. because any of it's better than being back in prison. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. It's like it, it can, I can, I can do anything for the next 10 years and fail at everything I do if none of it works and I fail and you could basically drop me off at the, in the parking lot of the prison mm-hmm. and I'd be in the same, it'd be like, okay, well, this is pretty much where I'm supposed to get out anyway and I could start over then. Yeah. I can always go to work for FedEx then. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I can, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely worth exploring trying to do stuff that I love to do and that I enjoy doing because, because this was just a gift. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? I, yeah. I, now, I think that redemption, we're talking about it here, it's not about fixing the past necessarily. We can't go back and, and right every wrong, but we can sort of get past the past. Right. And you've been able to do that uh, through writing. Uh, and and I'm really I'm really happy to see this this huge turn for you. And I know you're still figuring a lot of things out. You've got your website InsideTrueCrime.com. We can find your books there. We'll link to all this in the show notes. But what I really like here is this is a a brand new path for you. And and it doesn't it doesn't yeah. fix what happened. And even the present time doesn't you know fix it necessarily, no. right? No. Um, but you're on the other side of it, mm-hmm. and you're almost looking at it as though it's in the the rear view. And, it, and there's some irony in the fact that you had a bunch of different driver's licenses and stuff. But I think the the Matthew Cox of 2005 is a different person from the Matthew Cox of today. And I'd like to I'd like to explore just briefly how how you think you're different in in well, a way. I think the the first question was like, what if wasn't it, what if what if I hadn't been caught? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. I, I like don't ever, I don't know if maybe when I first got locked up, I might've thought like, oh, I should have done this. Should've. You know, you, 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 you do the, um, uh, you know, bargaining or questioning or you're angry or I'm angry or whatever. And that went on for a long period of time. And, and I, so I never sure. really thought about that. I guess I thought maybe, maybe I would have gone to Australia. Maybe I would have, you know, there's all these maybes, mm-hmm. but in the end, you know, in the end, basically I'm, I'm still just a scumbag that's on the run, hiding for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know, maybe technology cuts, catches up to me, maybe it doesn't catch up to me, but I mean, I think in the end, I think I mentioned this to you, and I mentioned this every once in a while, is that you know basically, is that I had tons of money. I, not, I mean tons, I, this is so horrible too. <laughs> you know, because guys will, guys will make screaming comments in the comment section where I'm like, I didn't have any money. I had like 80,000, that's all the money I had. Right. So I was, I, you know, and they're like 80,000, you're broke. What are you talking about? <laughs> Somebody asked me the other day, they were like, well, how much money did you have? At one point I'm like, I never really had that much money at mm-hmm. one point, like, like in cash. I was like, I mean, I would have maybe a couple million dollars in the bank, mm-hmm. but I only had like maybe 600,000 in cash. And they'd be like, what? and they look only, at me like, yeah. Did you not understand the question? You know, I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, but you got to live the rest of your life on that money, right. you know, or I got to get the money out of the bank. So my point is, is that, is that, um, that all that did for me was create anxiety, panic attacks, unhappiness, um, you know, arrogance, anger. I mean, there were all these things, and at the time, had no clue didn't have a clue mm. that that bothered me. Mm-hmm. Doesn't everybody have panic attacks every couple of weeks? Mm. Doesn't everybody, doesn't everybody, can't, you know, doesn't everybody not be able to sleep? You yeah. know, don't you have to lay in bed for two hours before you eventually pass it? <laughs> don't you have to take a Xanax to go to sleep? Oh, that's wow. crazy. What do you mean you just fall asleep like that? What do yeah. you mean? That's crazy. So I, there's all these things that to me was just regular life. Yeah. And so eventually when I did get, so I don't know what the, the answer to that is. I mean, you know, maybe maybe I live out the rest of my life and and it's amazing. I don't yeah. think so. Yeah, uh, I I think I live out the rest of my life. Maybe I don't get caught. Maybe I do. I think I'm so arrogant that eventually I would have told somebody else and it, they would have caught up with me. Yeah, listen, you, there's hundreds of thousands of law enforcement people looking for you. You're mm-hmm. gonna get caught. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I think what happened was I got arrested. I went to prison. I had two panic attacks when I was in prison. Mm-hmm. Two, and they were literally as opposed to the panic attacks on the street where I literally stopped. And if I, there was nothing to sit down, I would have dropped on the ground in, in an Indian style and just sit there. Mm-hmm. I've done that before in a supermarket because I was in the middle of the aisle. There was no oh. place to sit. I literally sat down. People are walking by like, what's with this guy? Wow. Um, because I just, it was just overwhelming. And it only lasts a minute or two, but it's not a good minute. <laughs> um, and so in prison, I had two where I'm walking along and literally I kind of like stopped and I could feel the tingle, took a couple breaths and it was over and I kept walking. And I'm, I got 26 years. That's yeah. the most stress. That's what it caught up with wow. me. So, you know, what happened was eventually I start writing. And when I start writing my fellow inmates stories and I start writing my story, yes. you know, and you start looking into yourself and reading books about how to write um, and how to write a memoir and, and all of the things that I would have told you meant nothing. Um, mm. you know, suddenly you start, you know, you start looking at yourself and looking at your past and looking at what those, um, 
those catalysts are that cause you to do certain things. And, you know, it starts unraveling. And I very quickly realized that, you know, that, you know, you you are a narcissist. You, mm-hmm. you know, you are arrogant. You are these things. You are, you know, the, this isn't the media. This isn't bullshit. This is what's happening. And this is just who you are. Yes. And it's horrible. And it's, it's a bad situation. And you need to start working on it. And although I feel like I work on it all the time, mm-hmm. I think I told you this, I feel horrible for like friends of mine. You know, mm-hmm. because I just dominate conversations. I have friends that literally they'll say they'll be talking for a couple of minutes and then they'll say something. I'll go, oh, man, that reminds me of my ex-wife. They'll go, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about me right now. <laughs> Give me five more minutes and we're going to talk about you the rest of lunch. <laughs> and, you know, and you would think if that happened, you you would think that people would get upset about that. But I, I, I'm always like, I'm so glad you did that. Yeah. yeah. Because. I dominate conversations. I will come in. I will dominate the conversation. I will walk away twenty minutes later, and I don't know a fucking thing about you. Mm. And and that's just an asshole. You're just an asshole. Well, mm. so here's here's the difference. Uh, I think. And and by the way, here's how Matt Cox is Ryan Nicodemus, or is Josh Milburn, or is anyone else who's who's listening to this. I think. Uh, you. You began to discover some things about yourself and naming those things and realizing that's not the person that you wanted to be. Mm. Ryan and I, you know, we grew up really poor, thought the the key to happiness was to make a lot of money in our 20s. Right. And so we climbed the corporate ladder. Mm. And by age 30, we were living the American dream. But we weren't the people that we wanted to be either. We were jerks we we had addiction problems we um we had consumption problems we had a lot of problems and we covered it up because of the the ostensible success and and yours you I mean you were you were very successful in in one way i mean you were uh it, it certainly appeared to be exactly right yeah. and and i think that's that's where we are and so quite often we there's one small compromise that's why i started the podcast with this small compromise of your values Mm. usually it's because we don't even know what our values are at the time you're like i just need some money and so okay i'm willing to make this one small compromise but then of course that one small compromise leads to two to six to 20 to 1.3 million dollars in tampa or whatever it is right and all of a sudden you're like how did i get here Mm. what was one bad decision at a time yeah and and when we're talking about redemption i think the difference of the matt cox of yesteryear versus the matt cox of today doesn't mean you figured everything out ryan i certainly haven't figured everything out but you have figured something out and it's that the life you were living before was not a meaningful life right in fact it was the opposite of that it was causing immense stress and and um discontent and it may have been sexy you could make a great movie out of it right um but like (laughs) you can't actually make a good movie out of the real contented people. The most contented people I know, like we're going to have Leo Babalta on here, probably the most contented person I've ever met. Yeah. His life, the movie of his life would suck. Yeah. Because there's no drama. Right. Mm. You don't want drama in your real life. It's great on that glowing screen. Right. It's great in your book and it's great that you've gotten past it. And what I'm seeing now with Matt Cox and I I can see it, I'm looking toward the horizon here and I'll just say this. I want to acknowledge you. I'm proud of you, man. Amen. Like the direction that you've you've moved in, like I can see this really developing into a meaningful life, and so um, it it already has. I mean, yeah, it, it already has. Yeah. Amen. So you know, I mean, it just has. I mean, yeah. I I don't know. I don't know if you're wrapping it up, but I I, I but I I mean, I was saying like when I was in real quick when I was in prison, I have a friend named Pete who's there for. Um, this is going to sound horrible. He's there for conspiracy to, to murder two confidential informants that were murdered. Um, oh, wow. Didn't do it. Um, Just like everyone else yeah, in prison. Well, the, <laughs> nice, actually wrote a book about him. Uh, he's the nicest guy you've ever met and yeah. super knows who he is. Uh-huh. And I remember talking to him one time and we were talking and they were, we were talking about somebody else. And, and I was like, why does he act like that? And he goes, I mean, he just hasn't figured it out yet. Yeah. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, I mean, can't come to prison and continue to behave the way you did 
prior to prison. He goes, and then leave prison and expect not to return. Mm. And he, he, went, he goes, you have to come here. You have to figure out who you are and what you're meant to do. And you have to do that and leave prison. He goes, you'll be okay. Mm. And yes. I went, I said, and I went, have I figured? I, I said, well, I need to figure that. He goes, I go, I need to figure that out. And he goes, no, 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 you, you've figured it out. Mm. And I went, doing what? He goes, writing. Yeah. And so it was funny because after mm. that conversation, people would say, what are you gonna do when you get out? And I was like, I'm gonna figure out how to make money just being me. Yeah. And, they, and they were like, what, what do you mean? You know, I only say it to spark the conversation. Uh, yeah. you know, and they go, what do you mean? I said, doing the things that I love to do. Then I don't have to work. I can just write and I can paint and I can just do the things that I like to do and then, you know, and I'll be able to make money at that and that'll pay my bills. They're like, yeah, but you're not gonna get in real estate. You're not gonna make this. You're not gonna, I'm like, no, because, because I, was, I was never really happy. When I had a couple million in the bank and I had a $100,000 sports car, I was driving a bunch of big houses and everybody, and I had 12 employees going, Matt, 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 hey, hey, hey. And I had all these friends around me mm-hmm. that I thought were friends that guess what? They weren't friends, right? Mm. You know all those things, and every girl I knew that ever dated me, and it was like, "How are you? How are you dating that chick?" Mm. And it was like, I was like, "Nah, she likes me, bro. I'm cool. I like that." No, no, it, that's not what it was because I wasn't cool. You uh-huh. know what I'm saying? Yeah. She's dating me because this guy's got money. This guy's this. He's got that. Those girls wouldn't date me now. So, yeah. um, anyway, you know those things. Like I got to prison, and I realized that's what I'm gonna do. And I'm gonna figure it out. And if I have to live in someone's spare room, mm-hmm. and I have to, you know, it, I'm gonna do. If I have to live in a spare room, and I have to drive a piece of piece of crap Jeep, you know, and then that's what I'll do until it works for me. Mm. And if it does, and I can do this for ten years. Yes. And if in ten years from now, when I was supposed to be getting out of prison in mm-hmm. 2030, then I can always go get a job at Walmart. I can always go do that regular thing that, you know, and and. And I'll be, I'll still be ahead of the game. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really, and, and listen, let me tell you something. I'm super happy. Like, like I didn't realize how unhappy I was I could tell, until man. that happened. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. I mean, so I don't know. That's it. I'm so glad I got through that without tearing up. I really am because let me tell you something. I fuck cry like a baby bro <laughs> like you know telling these stories like if we, you, you get into the stories and you start mm. talking like every once in a while i'll have some guy say something about well you know hey what happened with your dad oh my <laughs> god um, and I, I i literally like look at the guy for a second like you bastard because mm. i'm i'm in tears within two minutes mm. well, don't worry we, we plan on making you cry during the maximal <laughs> episode Well, we're certainly going to try to make Matt Cox cry on the Maximal episode today. A lot of emotional stories that we still need to talk about. All right, before we get into our listener tips and our added value segment today, it looks like we've got a bunch more surprise questions this week, like how do we find forgiveness from ourselves and others for past transgressions? How do we ensure we carry forward the lessons learned from our past mistakes? How do we honestly discuss our checkered paths with new friends and acquaintances? How do we start building a new life when our past has been decimated? Plus a million more questions for Matt Cox and The Minimalist, a bunch of stories as well. And if you want to hear all that, subscribe to our Maximal episodes on The Minimalist Private Podcast. It's a completely separate podcast, and it's the most honest way for The Minimalist to earn an income because we don't believe in advertisements. By the way, if you're not a private podcast supporter, you're literally missing two-thirds of our show, plus hundreds of past episodes, uh, the past private episodes that we have there, hundreds of hours of of those private episodes. So try it out for a week or a month. We think it will add immense value to your life. It's cheaper than a cup of coffee too. So head on over to theminimalists.com slash support to subscribe and get your personal link so that our private podcast plays in your favorite podcast app. Let's see what else we got here. Some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Check them out. Hi, my name is Sarah Powell, and I am from Boise, Idaho. I was just calling because I saw your guys' um, video on Netflix about a year and a half ago. And the next day after that, I had my own packing party and packed down my house. Um, I'm also a mom of two small kids. I just got finished listening to your guys' podcast about being a minimalist with kids. Um, I have found that I do a lot less cleaning since there's a lot less stuff for my kids to make a mess with. Um, I've also found that my kids use their imaginations more and 
um, actually get the use out of the toys that they do have. Um, as far as like gifts and stuff like that, I've asked my family to gift them experiences. So we have like a year pass to the zoo, a year pass to our um, one of our local museums here. Um, stuff like that are always great gift ideas. Hello, this is Megan. I am 27 from Tempe, Arizona, and I just had a comment. So I just got out of, divor- out of a divorce and had to move into a one-bedroom apartment. I previously lived in a three-bedroom house with lots and lots of stuff, and when I moved, I decided I would only take the essentials with me. And so now I'm in a very empty apartment. I don't even have a couch. I've been sitting on the living room floor. Um, But my comment was I have made a list of the things that I want to buy for the apartment. And I'm waiting two weeks for any item that has been added to the list. And the list, everything has a date on it from when it's added so that I know that I'm waiting enough time to see if it's something that I actually need or if it's something that I can go without. All right, y'all. Thanks again to Matt Cox for joining us today. Check out two of his books. We're going to put links to both of these in the show notes. He's written a bunch of books. You can find him, all his books, at InsideTrueCrime.com. He has a YouTube channel of the same name where he goes into a lot of deep stories there. But help him out with two of his books, uh, Shark and the Housing Pool, where he tells his whole story of getting caught and then going through prison and a lot of the stories in there. And while he was in prison, he began writing uh, a bunch of books of, about people who are in the prison. It, that's a fascinating thing about these true crime stories is they're almost so radical that they're implausible if we were to write them as fiction and they can be written only as these nonfiction stories. And his newest book is called it's insanity. And it's a perfect title for the book because it's an insane story about a guy. Well, you know what? I'm not even going to get into it. I would ruin it. We'll talk more about it on the maximal episode as well, but check out the book. It's insanity. And also Matt's story shark and the housing pool. Thank you so much for joining us today, Matt. And for our added value this week, well, I'm wondering if if movies are dead. Here, here's my, my thought. Actually, I'm going to recommend a movie, and it's not Tenet. We know that's for sure. <laughs> I've got Jordan Moore here. I feel like that was my cue in. <laughs> I so, got a... A few weeks ago, Jordan was out in Phoenix. I right? heard about this conversation, by the way. Uh, so, and I... Uh, so he's, he, he went to watch Tenet, and it was like, I've got to go see it you know, three more times. It's so amazing. Um, and so I went to go see it. I, I drove out of LA County because you ha- have to go out of LA County to watch movies right now. And Bex and I drove up to Ventura County and we were in a socially distanced theater. And when I say socially distanced, we were basically the only customers in the entire theater, 16 different movie theaters. And it was like, I was in North Korea for a moment, you know, like where they, they affect these entire hotels at, just for one tourist. That's what it felt like I was in the movie theater. Pyongyang. Yeah, yeah, it felt like I was in Pyongyang. And and so I we go in there, we we start watching the movie, and I wish my future self could go back in time and warn me about this film. That was a good movie. <laughs> so I got a text from Josh the other night and it just said, Can I get a refund? <laughs> <laughs> And without context, I was like, I have no clue where this is going. Uh-oh. Um, but no, it was apparently he didn't like Tenet. And, uh, what did you love about we, this film? I I mean, honestly, what I liked about it was it was so, like, I, I was, I felt ashamed or disappointed in myself when I, like, leaving the movie thinking what I was thinking going into the movie. Mm-hmm. There was just so much more. It was so complex, and there were so many. Like, there's only three major set pieces, right? But you see it like six times, right? So I was I was blown blown away by the intelligence of the movie. I guess I think that's where you and I maybe disagree. Like to me, it there was something about the film. I remember this is back in the early '80s when Jay Z and Nas were feuding. 
he and Jay-Z had this great line. He said, um, just because you don't understand him doesn't mean that he's bright. It just means you can't understand the stupid things that he writes. And the, the, there was this this moment where I'm like, there's a lot of intelligence here, or maybe they're just trying to make me feel like it's really intelligent. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's, so one of my texts back to you is I said, you saw Inception and you didn't like that, so you knew what you're in for. Yeah, yeah, Is some people will make fun of Nolan for his headiness. It's just like, it's just full mm-hmm. of, uh, it's so, uh, uh, what's that word? Um, Are you looking for cerebral? Yeah, but it's it's there's just a lot there's a lot of uh, of exposition you know yeah. there's a lot of they they got to do walk and talk I, I, to I, explain I, all of the science of it. Here's the thing: I didn't actually hate the film. I just I think I went in. Here's the the case for anti expectations. You go into it with a particular expectation, and uh, it just didn't live up to that. But let me let me just say this: uh, the film seemed incredibly well done, and. I think it's a rather unique premise without ruining it. It has to do with manipulating time, but in a way that we haven't really seen before. It's not, it's, it's time travel, but all travels time travel really when you think about it. And it, but it's, it's time travel from a different perspective. I don't want to ruin anything. And here's the, I'm not saying don't go see the film. I'm saying it didn't resonate with me personally. It resonated with someone like Jordan, but uh, what I'm the reason I said maybe films are dead right now is I don't actually believe that, but th- part of me does. And here, like, do you, you saw this video, the viral video recently of uh, Nathan Apodaca, the the guy who was skateboarding, drinking the cranberry juice, listening to Fleetwood Mac's Dreams. Have you seen that TikTok video? No. It's it's gone. We'll have to we'll watch it after <laughs> okay, this. Okay. I've seen it. Yeah, it, it's just so he's a factory worker in Idaho, and he. His car breaks down, and he makes these TikTok videos, and he's so he starts longboarding to work, and he grabs his cranberry juice and he's drinking, he's singing a Fleetwood Mac song, and he's filming himself. It's just a quick video, and this thing explodes. I mean, probably hundreds of millions of views over the course of the first few days, and uh, the Fleetwood Mac song has gotten more downloads than ever before. Yeah, it actually returned to the charts. Yeah. That, that song's from 77. The same thing with, uh, I don't know if you remember this. This was a few months back. Uh, two guys have a YouTube channel, and they were watching. They had never seen um, the song In the Air Tonight mm. by Phil Collins. Yeah, yeah, And they watched it, and they were analyzing it. And when they, you know, the drum breakdown, which is like the biggest part of that song. Sure. When it hits, they just were like, oh, my God. You yeah. know, just the reaction. And it put that song back on the charts again. Yeah, and well, my, my whole point is that, we can watch those, and those things are made for free. And and you have a movie like Tenant, which is $225 million, plus probably another $250 million in marketing, by the way. So half a billion dollar film. But I can watch Nathan Apodaca, whose car's broken down, and I get more, literally get more joy out of that um, than I did from the, the Tenant experience. Um, and I think the same is true, like with, with a lot of other things that are going on, like I would, th- there was a piece of me that just wanted to go home and watch like Barstool one bite pizza reviews <laughs> a- instead of uh, watching Tenet. And, and there's a piece of me that, that makes me think like, oh, I, we can't, especially with movie theaters are dying, right? Regal just announced they closed all their theaters in the United States. Yeah. They laid off 40,000 people. Wow. Are they Done, done. I know they, they were getting they, they've close. They've furloughed all of oh, them, so okay. they, they may never open them again, though. Well, to be determined. Uh, right. Hopefully, hopefully not. I really enjoy going to the movies. It's a wonderful experience. I know this is where Jordan and I we do agree. Yeah, yeah. we really enjoy the movie well, experience. That's what I was going to say about your your statement. Is the is movies are, are movies dead? It's not that. I think you'd reframe it and say that is the theater experience dead? Right. Has it changed to a more personal experience? Yeah, I've been saying this for months, going back on my podcast flick of the week mm-hmm. we were talking about the the marvel movies mm-hmm. the is i think that that's over mm-hmm. the mar the superhero genre this huge big blockbuster genre it's over we're on that new think about what happened in the 70s mm-hmm. we had these gritty movies and then they then star wars came out and then it became blockbuster and then it goes back it's like the old we always ebb and flow into big blockbuster movies then down into the personal dramas I think we're on the, the, the cusp of that again. Well, I think now, that, now it's it's more than personal. It's personalized in a way, right? It's it's one person using the camera on their phone to to capture 
the hearts and minds of people. And I'm not saying movies are dead. What I'm really saying is maybe that movie going experience is now. Yeah. Yeah. So let me just say this though. Uh, Here's something we'll be able to agree on. I don't think you've seen this film yet. And here's my added value for the week. And I need to move on here, but there's a new film on Netflix called Anon. Have you seen it? It, A-N-O-N, Anon. It, it has uh, Clive Owens in it, and uh, uh, there's several other people. But aesthetically, it's, it's one of the most beautiful, if not the most beautiful film I've ever seen. It, it, very minimalist in terms of aesthetics. You'll also really like the premise. I don't want to give it away, but we're living in a not-too-distant future where everyone uh, is identifiable. You're able to see them through your eyes. Like If I were to look at you, I would see a little box around your head, and it would say, you know, Jordan, no more, and age... Uh, I don't know how old you are, 18, 17. Sounds like Black Mirror almost. It is Black Mirror-esque. Did you see it? No, I haven't yeah, seen it it, it, it. it looks filmed like, it looks like a better version of a Black Mirror film. Yeah, it's it's gorgeous. Um, the Just the set design, the lighting, the atmospherics, it is a gorgeous film. I don't, I don't, if it didn't have a plot, I would watch the film. It was so beautiful. And, and so really well done. Anon or Anon, like as an anonymous, is the is the title. It's a Netflix film. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, real quick for right here, right now, here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalist. Today we've been talking about redemption. One of the reasons we get into trouble a lot of the time is we are irresponsible with our finances. You saw this with Matt Cox today. He's certainly irres- he was irresponsible with finances and he felt like he needed more, 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 more. But of course, financial freedom comes from when we have control over whatever resources we do have. So Ryan and I put together a free ebook. It's called Financial Freedom. It's the five steps that he and I use to get out of debt. It's an absolutely free ebook. You can download it over at theminimalists.com slash resources. That's our resources page, a bunch of free resources there. But check out the free ebook. It's called Financial Freedom. And it's a five-step guide of how Ryan and I exactly the step-by-step process we used in fact we call it difficult steps the five difficult steps to get out of debt they're simple steps but they're not easy it is difficult to get out of debt we want to acknowledge that but if you are out of debt you can experience financial freedom that's a free ebook called financial freedom over at our website you can follow the minimalists on facebook twitter and instagram at the minimalists come to one of our live podcast shows visit the minimalists.com slash tour to find a city near you if you have a question comment or minimalism tip for our podcast email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. You can comment on this episode at youtube.com slash theminimalists. And if you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com. And if you leave here today with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it